Hello guys, I'm Sam. And I'm Maya. And you're listening to Murder Senses. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Okay, so today is my case. Ugh, this one makes me mad. It's the case of the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Also known as Elizabeth Short. She, oh, her it's so sad because her case has never been solved. And it's just, the evidence is there, but they never solved it. You'll understand once I read more into it. Okay, so... I don't know, like, anything about this case. I, obviously, I know who she is. I know the name. I've seen the pictures, unfortunately. Oh, They're not. Yes. You look up her name, you see the, them. If you're not If you can't find that, them, you can find them very you know, easily if, on yeah, Google. If you're not and if you can't into, find them, they're on Reddit. <laughs> if you're not into that stuff, you know, I would stay away from... Yeah, don't make yourself uncomfortable unless you act, you're okay with that stuff, because it's it's a very gruesome one. Exactly, you know, it's a touchy picture. And I am going to go into detail about what happened to her, and so at that those points, if you want, you can just skip ahead. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I will don't. provide a trigger warning before the really gruesome facts. So Yeah, because this case is really gruesome. <laughs> so yeah, let's just jump right in. This is Maya's case today. Okay, so this is Elizabeth Short. She was born in 1924 on July 29th. Uh, She was from... We're doing only early cases. No, I know, right? A lot of them... Well, those are the good ones. I have a couple... They're interesting. I know, I have a couple on my list. Oh my god, I already have like a seven-person list and I only just started it. I don't... I'm gonna get through all of them, though. But I think like three of them are from the late to mid, like, you know... Early 20s. Yeah, yeah. 1920s. Yeah. So, our case takes place in Massachusetts today. Uh, she lived in Hyde Park, Massachusetts, specifically. I don't know where anything... No, I anywhere. searched it up, and it's just a place in Massachusetts. It's... It's just a place in Massachusetts. It's, no, man. it's... <laughs> Everywhere. It's not one of the most popular places because the mo- one of the most known place in Massachusetts is Boston. Is it like a small town in it, Massachusetts? It is. It was a very small. It, right, it wasn't too right. big. So she was born in Hyde Park. <laughs> she was actually born third, the third of fifth, five children. She had two older sisters, and their names were Virginia and Dorothea. And her two younger sisters, their names were Eleonora and Muriel. She was Muriel. the she was the, the middle child. Name and the middle child's always are the worst not like the worst like behavior but like they get the worst yeah they get the worst <laughs> no i love the I'm name a, i'm Muriel. an only child so i literally i can't really speak on anything but i've always heard that they get the worst yeah me too i've, I've heard that the too shittest, the shittiest end of the stick <laughs> okay so her parents were cleo short and phoebe may sawyer short and cleo he he was something cleo's we're gonna get guy. into him yes cleo's the guy oh, yeah all right you would think it might be a girl name no usually yeah but in 1926 her family had moved and they settled in the town of medford massachusetts and they had lived on salem street which ooh, ooh, (laughs) sounds creepy but it was just a normal street i'm gonna talk about salem one day so getting into her father her father had actually abandoned the family when she was only five years old and that was around the time of the great depression so financial was like it was really what would that yeah, word I mean, be? Everyone was in extreme poverty. Yeah, 
there was not a lot of money. He actually, he had placed his car near the end of a bridge to make it seem like he killed himself, and then he wrote a letter to his wife. Oh. Later on in From life... The grave? No. <laughs> <laughs> later on in life, later on in I think like maybe five years after he did this, he, he wrote a letter to his wife so, asking so, for forgiveness. So he did write a letter from the grave. <laughs> yes, actually. Imagine getting a letter from your husband who you presume is dead. Yeah. Oh, oh he jumped off a bridge. Oh, you know. But no, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh my god. And so him leaving had caused the family a lot of financial trauma, but it was speculated he had abandoned his family because of the financial stress of taking care of his wife and five daughters. It had to become too much of him, and he was an alcoholic, so most of his money went to being an alcoholic. Well, He was not paying a lot for his family. <laughs> whose fault is that? He was basically a piece of shit. He abandoned his family. He Don't ever do that. <laughs> you should never do that. I, I, I don't think that should have to be disclaimed. No, right? Like, it's just basic morals. So, Elizabeth, she had eventually contacted her father, but that comes later on in the story. So she wrote him a letter, letter, but something ties into that. So, Phoebe, her mother, was left to raise her five daughters by herself, which... That's so horrible. Like, amidst the Great Depression... time, too. And also, like, the way women that are widowed or single, widowed no. young especially, or were divorced, they did not get treated very nice. No. You know, if you didn't have a man, the man, the father yeah. of, your, of your children. The breadwinner. Yeah. They were, they were the breadwinners. You had to have a man. And women, yeah, if you were single and had children. Especially during you the were, Great Depression. That's mm-hmm. so, I imagine that's so hard. Because if you're the only one in the house, too, that can actually, like, make money and also the only one in the house that can actually take care of yeah, all Yeah, how do you kids. go to a job and then take care of all of these kids? And she was only five when her father left, so they were all really young. How old was the oldest? Oh, I didn't actually... I wasn't able to find out, okay. but uh, they weren't too much older than her. So she might have been, like, ten, maybe. I didn't actually find out, though. So, Elizabeth Short, she was known to be a very pretty girl. She had brown hair and blue eyes, but all of her friends would call her Betty. That was her nickname. Betty's so but cute. She, it is, but she does get another name later on, which is yeah. the name of this case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sadly, she was known to suffer asthma. Uh, so, suffer from asthma, sorry. So, in 1940, her mother would send her to Florida to work as a waitress in the warmer climates of Massachusetts. Uh, she returned to Medford in the spring and then traveled to Florida again in the winter of 1941, and then again to Medford in the spring of 1942. So she was... a lot of traveling. She was sending her daughter away, and then bringing her back, and then sending her away. How old was she? She was... If she was in 1940, she would have been... What, 20? She would have only been 18 around 18? this time. She was really young. So, yeah, that's a lot to send an 18. Oh, yeah, she was at the end of 1942, of she was 18. Okay, and, I, and she was going through all of this alone? Yeah, she was, her mother was sending her that's traveling so by herself. And, the, no, it was... In the, sorry, in the 40s, too, that's... Yeah, it, it, it was, it's, it's always been dangerous. Oh, yeah, especially now, then, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, so by the end of 1942, like I said, she was 18. She had contacted her father by mail. She had asked him, could I stay with you? Uh, in exchange for her to take care of the house. Um, yeah, so she had asked her father to stay with him uh, in exchange that she would take care of the house. She would just make sure that the house was in tip-top shape. So her father did let her move in and she ended up 
traveling to his place and her father gave her $200 to travel to move in with him which would equal to about $2,000 today so that's a lot of money to travel and how did she like take a plane how much did she She ended up taking a train okay yes do you know if that was expensive or was that like uh did she have a lot of extra money I think it was only the $200 and he had just given her that for the train train ticket I I don't think she had any extra money until she got there okay um but her and her father ended up not getting along very well she was supposed to take care of the house but she ended up not taking care of the house and she ended up sleeping all day and then she was going out all night she wasn't cleaning up after herself and after a few weeks of their relationship being back together she hadn't seen her father in a long time since she was five and then she's back with him after that it went bad and they would have volatile arguments nearing the ending of 1943 elizabeth and her father went separate ways ironically they both ended up in los angeles <laughs> just a few miles from each did other they, did they both just move yeah they both just upped and like, left the okay, house this isn't working we need to leave yep and they just both coincidentally <laughs> No, yeah, they ended up not too far from each other, but they never really had a relationship afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's really hard to sustain a relationship when your father leaves you at five years old. Yeah, that's going to cause some trouble. But also, whose fault is it that you slept all day, you didn't clean up after yourself, and you went out all night and you party? Hers. Exactly. Yeah. So Elizabeth <laughs> went on to get a job as a civilian clerk in Camp Cook, an army camp that was 10 miles north of Lampock, which is now called Vanderburg Air Force Base. All right. I'm going to pretend like I know. No, I didn't even know where that was. It's someplace in California. That's all I know. (laughs) Almost everywhere is just someplace in California. Like, I don't know. She worked there until late August, which, disgustingly, they had named her Camp Cutie. That's... that's They voted her, like, the military workers had voted her Camp Cutie. That's disgusting. She was 18 years old. Yeah. So, by the age of 19... In September of 1943, she was arrested for underage drinking in Santa Barbara. She was sent back to Menford to go live with her mother. In this time, the age of of, uh, legality to drink is still 21. Yes, it was. Yeah. You had to be 21 to drink, do anything. It's 19 here. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And then so she was sent back to Medford. I'm pretty sure with her mother. And in the winter of that year, she had moved to Miami Beach in Florida, where she continued to work as a waitress uh, later on. And she's just gorgeous, too. She is. She's a really pretty girl. I'm sure, like, it wasn't easy to work as a waitress no in this time you know at i'm sure she wasn't working at the most fanciest high-end places yeah and oddly <clears throat> despite her arrest she when she was an adult she did not smoke drink and did not swear she was sworn to not swear so like her, she, her arrest probably like straightened her out a little bit i'm thinking that because she 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 was not known to drink or smoke she was really That's against good. swearing she ended up doing a whole 360 so this is very sad but at the end of december in 1944 she had met a man named major matthew m gordon who was born um april 1st 1919 so he was working on the base he uh it was april 21st sorry uh he was he was a military man okay yeah a military man (laughs) i don't know what they're called (laughs) a soldier oh yeah (laughs) He was born in Denver, Colorado, so he was quite a far, quite far away from her. Well, he's a major. That's what, that's what he is. Yeah, so he was probably on duty 
when they met. Um, but shortly after they met, they were quickly engaged. But I think about a couple months after they got engaged, he went on deployment in 1945. Oh. And on August 10th, he was traveling over the West Bengal in India, and he tragically died in a plane oh, no. crash. Oh, no. oh. The plane had gone down and... You know, it's a plane yeah, crash. Yeah. So he had passed away. He was working for the military at the time, so he was probably on a mission. I don't know what yeah. they're called. A mission. He was on a mission. Well, was he... Um, he was deployed, so yes. he was probably fighting I think war, he might have right? been a pilot or oh, something like that. okay. If he wasn't a pilot, he was in a plane. <laughs> or well, was, yes. was he just traveling? He Yeah, he might... Something like that. I didn't really did, 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 get you, too much detail about him because I couldn't find him. Find, well, because he's not like that pertinent, obviously. But did you... Were you able to find if he was... Uh, did he touch, like, to uh, India? He was flying over... See, so he didn't even touch the ground yet. No, not yet. That's sad. That's really sad. <laughs> the worst part is his plane crash was... I think three or four days before the World War Two ended. Oh. So he had passed away three or four days, maybe even a week before World War Two had ended. So he was buried in Honolulu, Hawaii, at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific. And I didn't know. I don't know what day he was buried, but that's where he ended up being buried. So this was the first man she had met. So in 1946, she had visited an old boyfriend. Oh no, that wouldn't have been the first man she had met. It was one of the men she, she had. had an old boyfriend. <laughs> yes. It's fine. Research um, is hard. It is. You try and do it. <laughs> so she had visited an old boyfriend. His name is Joseph Fickling. I thought it was Flickling at first. <laughs> I couldn't get his name right until I typed it ten times. I have such a hard time reading names like that. Oh, me I too. I skip over the smallest letters and then it's just completely mispronounced. I know. And so when she went to go visit him, he had unfortunately moved to another state. So she couldn't find him. So that made her homeless. So she oh. was staying into hotels and she was staying in people's homes, which had made her like extremely vulnerable. Well, yeah, yeah. Especially around that time. And so... In December of 1946, she went to San Diego, where she ended up meeting another man named Robert Manley. Um, <laughs> he was also known as Red because of the color of his That's hair. That's my cat's name. <laughs> He's cute. He's a big chonk baby. He's adorable. He is. So this man had offered her a drive to Los Angeles from San Diego, and when they arrived, they spent the night in the hotel, but Manley had stated they had not slept together, so I don't... I don't know if they had or hadn't, but he said they didn't. Okay. The next day, Manley took Elizabeth to Los Angeles bus station where she had dropped off her luggage, but then she left the train station with her luggage at the train station. <laughs> can, can you hear Maya getting excited? <laughs> it's fine. I talk with my hands. I'm French. So, um, after she dropped off her luggage, she, she left the train station, and then she went to the Biltmore Hotel and... Stayed there until about 6.30 when Red had left her. I heard that the Bolt, Bolt, Biltmore? Yeah, Biltmore. Okay, I heard that the Biltmore Hotel, um, well, obviously, like, I know it's haunted. And, um, <laughs> so, like, I heard that she, that she's rumored to be one of the... The ghosts. The, yeah, the the famous people who haunt it. Because I know she, it was a, could be. a famous... Oh yeah, hotel I've, like it, like where people famous people stayed. I heard of that too, actually. I didn't. Now that you mentioned that, I remember that. Yeah, and you know we're really into haunted stuff and ghost stories, so I'm sure we will 
add that into the mix at some point in the future eventually. Yeah, some point. Um, so after he had left her at the hotel, she vanished. He didn't see her for about six days. Uh, she said goodbye to him and then never again. Her whereabouts were unknown. She didn't, no one could find her. And then this is where we get in to today's murder. On January 15th, uh, 1947, the body of Elizabeth Short had been found in Lamert Park. Okay. It was a neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can hear your cats through the mic. Really? Yes. <laughs> Keep that in, please. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's crazy. Sorry, guys. Alright. Let's, let's, let's continue. <laughs> Sadly, the person who had found her body was a mother who was walking with her child. In the morning. Oh no. Yeah, so imagine being that child. In... Well, at first they were actually under the impression that her body was a mannequin. A lot of people did. Yeah. Because of the way her body was found. Yeah, when you, well, I'm not, like, a lot of people who discover a body automatically assume. I know. I know, right? Yeah. I never want to be in that position. I've always thought, like, it would be kind of cool. But thinking about it, it just sounds like... Right. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be in that position. No. I mean, I mean no one would want to be in the position of finding a body. Would. Yeah, yeah. I can't see anyone would. No, but it would be it would be something to experience, you know. It, and especially for a small child. That would be traumatizing. That, that would leave aw. something on them. Yeah, she the mother was taking her child for a walk. Okay, here's where we need a trigger warning. Because this is where I'm going to get into the information about what her body was found how her body was found, and what happened to her body. So this is your trigger warning. (laughs) If you don't want to hear about it, you can just skip ahead maybe about a minute or two. Uh, So, her body was found to have been sliced in two at the waist, and she was completely drained of blood. Some of her organs had been removed and neatly placed- she was completely drained of blood? Yes. She had absolutely no blood left in her body. Oh. Which is actually one of the- evidence pieces i guess you could say that made someone be able to figure out who it might be (laughs) yes you need to have some sort of medical i feel like medical background or well okay okay continue sorry i'm gonna shut up no it's okay and so some of her organs had been removed and they were neatly placed under her butt oh yeah pieces of her flesh had been cut away from her thighs and her breasts as well as her stomach was found full of feces Which made some believe that she had been forced to eat that before Uh, her murder, which is absolutely disgusting. Like, it wasn't, like, feces that were just placed in there. It was... No, it was in her bile. It was in her, um, organ, like, her intestines. uh, It was found inside of her, mm -hmm. which, yeah. Could have been from, like, hemorrhaging or something, but yeah. Could have been. I don't know anything. No, I really don't. There wasn't much more about it. Yeah. The worst mutilation of all was the mutilation made to her face. Now, this mutilation is very famous. It is worn by the Joker. It's called the Glasgow Smile. Okay. It was a sign that they would use to warn people off. Gangs would use this smile on other people to warn other people not to mess with them. Okay. And so that's what it was traditionally used since for. yeah so since I can't show a photo my best example is what the Joker has yeah you can see it if you want I'm gonna look it up really quickly so I looked it up 
And yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a slice that goes from each corner of your mouth and it goes all the way up to your ears. We don't it's we don't need to explain it. It's 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 gruesome. Um yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the de- detectives thought that since her body had been washed clean, she was murdered somewhere else and moved to that park. Well, I assume too, like because her blood was drained, right? Yeah, it would have to happen probably in There would be like a medical facility mess. at some point. Well, there would be some mess around her oh, no, there if it was done there. There would be. So the only type of evidence that they could find around her body that wasn't including her was a heel print from her shoe and a cement sack with traces of blood which had made them think that that was the bag that was used to transport her body. And so the LAPD reached out to the FBI to help identify the body. The LAPD reached out to the FBI to identify her body by searching their fingerprint database. Her fingerprints turned up quickly because she had applied for that job as a clerk uh, at the commissionaries of the U.S. Army Camp Cook in California. So she was in the database. And then her prints turned up a second time since she had been arrested (laughs) arrested. in Santa Barbara for underage drinking, just seven months after she applied for the job. The mugshot that was taken at the time of her arrest was released to the press, then who released it to the public. Uh, The media was sharing any information they could about Elizabeth. Her mother hadn't known about her murder, murder, which this year pisses me off what they did. They had called her mother, the Los Angeles Examiner, phoned her mother pretending that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest. Are you kidding me? They had asked her mother all the information they could on Elizabeth before truly sharing what happened to her daughter. What? Yeah, so they pretended, oh, your daughter won a beauty contest. Can you tell us everything about her? And then was like, what? haha, your daughter got killed. No, you don't fucking do that. That is so fuck. Are you kidding me? And it gets what? worse. Because how do you do that? No, how do you do that to a mother? How do you do that to someone who just lost their daughter? No, you can't. You, it's not right at sure, all. Sure, you might not get your information that you want right away because they're going to be grieving. But suck it up. You know, suck it up. They didn't care about her at all because... I hate the LAPD. I hate them. Yes. And the media was worse because the media got involved and they started to brand her as a sexual deviant. One police report read... Okay. And I quote, This victim knew at least 50 men at the time of her death and at least 25 men had been seen with her in the six days preceding her death. I know at least 50 men. As a teaser of men. I know at least 50 men. No, me too. That I've met in my lifetime. But that doesn't matter. I'm, I, I go out in public. Men pass me every day. I'm sure people see me with my boyfriend. And she, she was not a prostitute. No. Which, which they start naming even, her later on. It doesn't even matter if she was. No. And so the media ended up giving her the nickname the Black Dahlia due to the fact that she preferred to wear a lot of black sheer clothing. What does, okay, I'm sorry. Dahlia. Is that just like a name? Uh, I think so. Or does it, like, mean something? Well, actually, it doesn't mean anything because... (laughs) Sorry, that was my dog in the background. (laughs) He's humming. So, it doesn't mean anything because it was a reference to the movie The Blue Dahlia, which was released in 1946, and I think that was about a year before. Okay. And it was, um... It was a black and white movie, it was about crime, and uh, it was about a woman trying to solve a murder where everyone seemed to have a motive. But her name was based on a movie called The Blue Dahlia. My favorite black and white movie is Dracula, the original. I've never watched it. It's really good. Watch it if you haven't. Go watch it, Maya. 
I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so sadly, rumors had started to spread that she was a prostitute, like I said, and that she liked to tease men because she was a lesbian, which She's I found not. absolutely no evidence that she was a lesbian. <laughs> the media was trying to cause all sorts of chaos. Wow. Also, sorry if you hear me shifting in my ottoman chair. We are... Maya's sitting on the floor. <laughs> As we record more podcasts, the quality will start to get better. It's just... We don't have a proper setup, but we are getting there. <laughs> anyway, just continue. Okay. So, a couple months before her murder, she was actually trying to become an actress, but she had been unsuccessful. She couldn't find any jobs that she could land roles in. Didn't she really want to get famous? She really her, did. Her, uh... Dream. Yeah, and sadly, the thing she became famous for was being the Black Dahlia. Yeah. I, was her murder. Yeah, and being labeled a whore. Yes, yes. And it was. And so the investigators were having a really hard time figuring out who was behind it, and members of the media had received a couple of clues. On January 21st, about a week after the body was found, the examiner received a call from a person claiming to be the murderer. He said he would be sending her pack her belongings in the mail as proof of his claim. A few days later, on the 24th, the examiner received a package containing Elizabeth's birth certificate, photos, business oh. cards, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen on the cover. Okay. Lastly, it included a letter pasted together from newspapers and magazine letter clippings that read, quote, Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Here is Dahlia's belongings to letter letters to follow. And they probably haven't, like, they don't have, like, phone tracing technology No, yet. not back then. That was only in 1946. Yeah, I'm not sure when that stuff came out. No. <laughs> Me neither, but it didn't for a while. Mm-mm. No. Um, all of the items in the packages had been wiped clean with gasoline to leave no fingerprints behind. Gasoline? Heard that. No, me neither. That was something new for me. Yeah. I had questioned that too. And so there was a fingerprint actually found on the envelope, but it was damaged in transport and they never analyzed it. What? No, they never analyzed it, so which maybe I think. they even like kept a like, I don't even know how you would like refer to a record of a fingerprint that you find in evidence. But like if they kept that, maybe they would have been able to, to turn that into something today. Right? I don't know if they threw it away, but they just never looked at it because it was wow. damaged. So, on January 26th, a couple days after... Yeah, and, that's the day before my birthday. <laughs> right? The 27th, <laughs> which is also coming up soon. We're the 21st of January. Yeah. Oh, it happened in the same month that we're talking about it. Hmm. I don't know when this video is going to come out, so... <laughs> yeah, so on January 26th, another letter arrived and wrote, quote, Here it is. Turning in Wednesday, January 29th at 10 a.m. Had my fun with police. Black Dahlia Advent. Advent uh, did she, Black did Dahlia was, Avenger. Sorry for interrupting. This was after she was labeled the Black Dahlia in the papers? Or did yes. The, okay. I was going to ask if the murderer like first named her that and then that's how it caught on. No, the media was naming her the Black Dahlia. Okay. And so, yeah. The Black Dahlia Avenger, he had called himself. The which, of, like... Avenger? Like... Like Marvel Avengers. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but the letter had included a location, and the police ended up waiting at the time and place mentioned in the letter, which I couldn't find any any of the names of the location or anything like that, but the person who wrote it never showed up. So, after the alleged killer had sent a letter from cut newspaper and magazine clippings to Examiner, which read, 
and I quote, which this is another letter, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Ha, psych. Dahlia's killing was justified. What? How? Justified by what? What do you mean? No clue. What? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. No, it doesn't. At one point in the case, LAPD had 750 investigators on the case, and they had interviewed more than 150 potential suspects linked to the Black Dahlia killings. With what? Like, okay. I don't know. I don't know what the they were looking in, for. The people in our address book? Maybe. Because <laughs> you didn't even do anything with the fingerprint, so... No, how do you find more people? Okay, and no, so I don't know. Officers heard more than 60 confessions during an initial investigation, but none of them were considered legitimate. Yeah. Because... Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. Okay, I know. This happens all the time. I don't know why someone else would want to confess to a murder that they didn't do. Yeah. And since then, there's been more than 500 confessions, which none led to anyone being charged. Yeah. Time had passed, and the case turned cold. And people assuming that it had been a date gone wrong, or that she had run into an evil man walking alone that night. So the case ended up going cold for 70 years. 70? 70 years. 7-0. Wow. So now we're skipping ahead a bit. In 1999... And this happened in the 40s. This did. Yeah. Okay. So we're skipping ahead a bit, and then in 1999, uh, a now-retired LAPD officer, Steve Hodel, was going through his dad's belongings when he noticed two photos of a woman who bore a striking resemblance to Elizabeth Short. After discovering these haunting images... Hodel began using the skills he had gained as a policeman to investigate his own f- deceased father. Hodel went through Hodel or Hodel. I don't know how it's said, so I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> Hodel had went through newspaper archives and witness interviews from the case. Hodel and- sounds cooler. Oh, so. I, it does. <laughs> so keep going with that one. <laughs> and even filed a Freedom of Information Act, which I didn't search up what that was. <laughs> I should have. Uh, to obtain FBI files on the Black Dahlia murders. Murder. Shouldn't say murders. There was only one. <laughs> he had also had a handwritten expert compare samples of his father's handwriting to the writing on the notes that he had sent the press this from man's got some the alleged killer. Uh-huh. <laughs> the analysis found a strong possibility that his father's handwriting matched the handwriting on the, the, the papers. Okay. But the results were not conclusive. Okay. On the worst side of things, the crime scene photos showed that her body, mm-hmm. Elizabeth's, had been cut in a manner consistent with a, sorry if I butcher this, <laughs> hemicorporectomy. A medical, yes. Hemicor, I'm sorry. Hemicorporectomy, a oh, medical yeah. procedure that slices the body beneath the lumbar spine. I said I wanted to be an autopsy victim. I can't even pronounce a word. Hoddle's <laughs> father had been a doctor who had attended medical school when this procedure was being taught in the 1930s. Uh, you were saying something. You had to have him. a medical. So far, I think it's him. Me too. <laughs> Additionally, Hoddle's searched his father's archives at UCLA, finding a folder full of receipts for contracting work on his childhood home in that folder there was a receipt dated a few days before the murder for a large bag of concrete the same size and and same brand as the concrete bag found near elizabeth short's body yes by the time hodel began his investigation many of the police (laughs) great many of the police invest uh police officers who worked on the case originally were dead 
However, he carefully reconstructed conversations these officers had about the case, and he compiled all of his evidence into a 2003 bestseller called Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story. I didn't read the book, so I don't know if it's any good, but it's all about her case and her murder. So this man's name was George Hodel. This was the father. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> George Hodel. I love it. Right, it's such a different name. The father of the investigator who was researching the case of Elizabeth Short. It was actually found that out of the six people who were at the top of the suspects list, George George Hoddle was one of them. In fact, he was such a serious suspect that at his home, it was bugged in 1950, so the police could monitor his activities. Much of the audio was innocuous, but one chilling exchange struck out. At 8.25 p.m., a woman screamed. A woman screamed again! So it should be noted that the woman was not heard on the audio before the scream, but then she, just a random woman started screaming. Hmm. Later that day, George Hodo was overheard telling someone... And this was after uh, Elizabeth's murder, right? Yes, this was in 1950. Oh, When his house was bugged. So this was like three, four years after her murder. Mm -hmm. Uh, So later that day... He was overheard telling someone, realized, and this is a quote, realized there was nothing I could do. Put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket. Whoa. Get a taxi. Expired 12.59. They thought there was something fishy. Anyways, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. So the audio was pretty choppy. And he said that. But he said that. And he continued, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. He admitted it. Mm Mm-hmm. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Was that was that the woman in the audio, do you think? Could have been, but I'm thinking because his son uh, found photos of women that look like her. Yeah. Maybe it was one of them that was his secretary, but he was saying that his secretary was dead, so they can't prove it. Which, even after this, which seemed Did to... Did his support- secretary know, do you think? Oh, maybe. Or maybe, like, his secretary knew she he, came in that night or Well, something. if you think about it, he had to perform that... That whole... Thing to cut yeah. her body in half, so the secretary must have been working. So she had to have known something. So, even after this, which it seemed to have support that George Hodel killed Short, and possibly also his secretary, the Black Dahlia case still hasn't been officially closed. However, this hasn't stopped Steve Hodel from investigating his father. They should have opened the case again. They should have. With all of the evidence and just named him and closed it. I don't know if that's... No, I I feel like that's enough evidence to open it up again and start investigating this guy. But... They they even had his son to, like, testify against him. Yes, they did. This was in 1999 when his son started investigating him. But you can reopen cases that are from a long time ago. A lot of time... Yes. That has happened. Yeah. So, he says he found dozens of details uh, of other murders that possibly could be connected to his father, implicating him not only as the Black Dahlia murder, but also a deranged serial killer. Yeah. Wait, a serial killer? Yeah. So, he could have been a serial killer. Huddle's research had even garnered some attention from law enforcement. In 2004, Stephen R. K., the head deputy for L.A. County District Attorney's Office, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Attorney's off <laughs> In 2004, Stephen R.K., the deputy... The, hmm. <laughs> the deputy of the attorney's off <laughs> In 2004, Stephen R.K., the head deputy for L.A. County's district attorney office, Ooh. said that George Hodel was still alive. Had he been still alive, he would have enough 
to indict him for the murder of Elizabeth Short. In 2007, a British author, sorry if I'm saying this wrong, Puy, Pew, eat well. What? Pew, oh, P-I-U. Pew, huh. Pew, I, no, that's Pew. absolutely not Pew. <laughs> no. Pew, I, Pew, Pew, I, Pew, eat well. Uh, Mr. Eat well. Yes, Mr. Eatwell had announced that she had finally solved the decades-old case. Oh, this is a Wait, girl. This is a girl. Oh shoot! Sorry. <laughs> I thought I... Mrs. Eatwell. Mrs. Eatwell, and uh, published her findings in a book called *Black Dahlia: Red Rose: The Crime, Corruption, and Cover-Up of America's Greatest Unsolved Murder*, which makes me think that police had covered up some stuff. The real culprit, she claimed, was Leslie Dillon. A man who police briefly considered the primary suspect but ultimately let go. However, she also claimed that there was much more to the case besides the killer himself. I... but what... what evidence? Yeah. According to Eatwell, Dylan, who had worked as a bellhop, murdered Short at the behest of Mark Hansen, a, no, a local nightclub and movie theater owner who worked with Dylan. Mark Hansen sounds like a fancy name. Mark Hansen was the name of... The, on, on her notebook, on her phone book. Oh, shit! Yeah. Oh. So that was the name that they had found on her phone book. Okay. Or notebook. Or whichever one it was. Like, and on, it was on the cover, right? It was on the cover. Okay. And this guy was a local nightclub and movie theater owner. Okay. So Hanson was another suspect that would have to be eventually let go. And do you know if he was involved in drugs? I'm not quite sure. I, it, never, it never said anything. Because you said at the beginning that the smile was something drug lords would do. Yeah, and gang. Threat. Gang members. Yeah. They would, yes. So... He could have been. I mean, a nightclub owner, you're usually sketchy. I'm sorry if any of you are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back then. Like, back then, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. No, I feel like this is just, I don't know. This is all theory. This was another person mm-hmm. that they had yeah. investigated. Yeah. So, shortly after, uh, Hanson was another suspect that had been eventually let go, as I said. And the owner of the address book that had been mailed to the examiner. He later claimed that he gave the address book to Elizabeth as a gift. Uh, that's what I believe, too. Yeah. Uh, Short had reportedly stayed with Hanson a few nights when she was homeless, and... and probably why he gave her the gift. Like, right? here, have these so you can keep my address, my phone number if you need anything. These, if you, like... I feel like Leslie Dillon's trying to frame this Hanson guy. Yeah. Because Leslie Dillon's also another suspect. Okay. And so, it was reported that he was one of the last people to have spoken to her before her death in a phone call on January 8th. Eatwell alleges that Hanson was infatuated with her and came on to her, though she denied his advances. She would not let him sleep with her. Then, he supposedly called on Leslie Dillon to, quote-unquote, take care of her. Hansen, it seemed, knew Dylan was capable of murder, but didn't realize just how deranged she really was. This is all by the claims and of e- uh, Miss Eatwell. And did Leslie have any medical experience that you could find? Yes, actually. Okay. Previously, Leslie Dillon had worked as a mortician's assistant, oh. where he could have potentially learned how to bleed a body dry. Yeah. And Eatwell also discovered from police records that Dylan knew details about the crime that had not been yet released to the public. And I'm sorry, George, was it? Was that his, the other guy? Uh, Dylan Eatwell. The first guy? George Hodel. Okay, he, what kind of medical professional was he? It just said he was a doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it just said he was a doctor, that he had performed that 
operation on her. Okay. So we're, we're, we're really nearing the end of this case because it's never been solved and this is the last bit of evidence that was claimed. So they never arrested anybody for her. But the last bit of evidence was the fact that Dylan knew details about the crime that had not been released to the public. One detail was that Elizabeth had a tattoo of a rose on her thigh, which had been cut out, trigger warning. <laughs> This had been cut out and shoved into her vagina. Oh, God. The tattoo. The the trunk of skin that had her tattoo. But was he ever um, mentioned to stay with her or her to stay with him? Or... No, no, not so Dylan. Was, it was handsome. Was there was no, like, indication they could have slept together in the past and he could have seen that tattoo before. No, there was no nothing, indication of so... that. No, I tried looking and there wasn't anything if they slept together or that's anything good, like that. But that's a, that's a good... They could have, though. We don't know. Lead. Right? But that's, yeah. that's, that's basically all the evidence that they had and they've never arrested anybody. And so Dylan, he was claimed to be an aspiring writer and he told authorities that he was writing a book about the Black Dahlia case, but it was never made. Okay. He never finished the book. He never published it. I don't even know if he started writing it. Okay. I still think it was George. Me too. Because... He admitted it. He did. He admitted it on, not a phone call, but... Well, while, while his house He was, was having tapped. a conversation with someone. Also, like... And no one's been arrested for this. The woman. Was that his secretary? It, it could have been... It could have been Elizabeth screaming. It could well, have been the secretary. The uh, yes, this was... A, oh, so... so it, yeah, the woman could have been her sec- his, his secretary. Who mysteriously died? Right? Like, and she had to have known something. And he even said, like, no one will ever catch me because my secretary's dead. Which that is, is basically... Basically, a form of confession. Weird. Like I wouldn't say that about anyone, or like, like nothing. Like even it. Like how do I even? How would you even say like, oh, well, this happened or this won't happen because my secretary is dead. So no, right? Like I, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so despite all the evidence pointing to him. He was never charged with the crime, which Dylan was never charged with the crime. Eatwell claims that he was released due to Mark Hansen's ties with some of the cops at the LAPD. Okay. While Eatwell believes the department was corrupt to begin with, she also thinks that Hansen contributed largely to its corruption by exploiting his ties with certain officers. Mm. Uh, Another discovery that lent itself to Eatwell's story was a crime scene found at a local motel. During her research, Eatwell came across a report by Astor Motel owner Henry Hoffman. The Astor Motel... I've heard that name before. Me too. It was a small 10-cabin facility near the University of Southern California. Okay. Me too. It's it sounds familiar, but I never really dug yeah, into yeah. that. Uh, on the morning of January fifteenth, nineteen nineteen forty seven, he opened the door to one of his cabins and found the room. This is before her death. This was in nineteen January fifteenth, nineteen forty seven. This was after she had died. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he found the room covered in blood and fecal matter. Oh. Yeah. In another cabin, he discovered that someone had left a bundle of women's clothing wrapped up in a brown paper, which is also stained with blood. Well, that's not suspicious. No. Instead of reporting the crime, though, he simply cleaned it up. Hoffman. Nice. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do. The hotel owner. Yeah. (laughs) He had been arrested four days earlier for beating his wife and didn't want to risk another run-in with the police. Well, maybe it was him. (laughs) Maybe he was the one who just did that random murder in the motel. Right? like, Like... like whatever he admitted that that he that was his excuse oh well maybe it was the murder of the black dahlia and i just murdered my wife or something (laughs) so january 15th was 
a couple of days after Elizabeth was murdered. Oh, okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. Because Eatwell believes that the motel, that motel is where Elizabeth was murdered. Eyewitness reports. Sorry. sorry. And was, sorry, who said to murder, have murdered, was said to have murdered Elizabeth? George Hoffman. Uh, George Hogan. No, the other one. Or Hogel. Right now. Oh, right now, uh, that would be, um, so the person right now that we're talking about would be Henry Hoffman. He was the owner of the Astor Motel. But the guy that Leslie was saying? Uh, Leslie Dillon. That's who did it? Who was claimed to have done the murder? Yeah. Okay, so, but was Leslie or, who was the first guy? George Hodel. No, the other guy who claimed, was sent, Leslie sent him. That was Mark. Who Leslie blamed, the club owner? Yeah, that would have been Mark Hansen. Okay, okay. So, did Leslie or Mark stay at that motel often? No, they no, it wasn't no ever, shown that he they ever stayed at that motel. That wasn't, like, something prominent or anything, so, okay. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so Eatwell believes that that was where she was murdered, so eyewitness reports, though uncooperated, claim that a woman who resembled Elizabeth was seen at the motel shortly before the murder. Eatwell's theories have not been proven, as everyone involved in the original Black Dahlia murder case is now most likely dead, and many LAPD documents remain locked away in vaults. However, Eatwell remains confident in her findings and truly believes that she solved the mysterious and gruesome case of the Black Dahlia murder. Though we still don't know for certain who killed the Black Dahlia, these recent theories present compelling cases, and it's possible that the truth is still out there. (sighs) Which, because it was never solved. The last piece of that evidence, like the room and the the witnesses saying that they've seen someone who resembled her, it was only a couple of days before her murder. Yeah, so like, George Hodo could have Leslie or Mark had medical experience. can't remember who you said which one did. George Hodel was a doctor, yes, and Dil- uh, Leslie Dillon was um, an, uh, uh, mortu- a mortuary assistant. Right, right, right. Yeah. So... They both had enough qualifications to be able to do this. And they both were sort of tied to her. Like, Mark was, and Mar- Leslie was tied to Mark. Yeah. But George Hodel, there was nothing that I could find that he was tied to her. It was just maybe- He admitted it. Yeah, no, that, but beforehand but maybe he could have just like been one of those bullshitters who like to admit really fucked up stuff honestly though he could have been i don't know see that's why this case hasn't been solved because there's just so much i honestly i don't feel like it's ever going to be solved no me neither there's just so much different evidence about so many different people sad like i she she deserves justice everyone deserves justice yes but this isn't how she should have been remembered no definitely not and she it was had so much potential and she didn't get enough time to do anything with her life to do what she wanted with her life it was really sad um i'm gonna find the photos okay so <laughs> that would have been the news report of okay Elizabeth, when they were looking for her. We'll be posting all of these on the Instagram. I'm just looking at them here. She's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. She is. And George Hoddle looks like an asshole. Um, he... I'm sorry. He looks like, um, um, I'm sorry, I punched the mic. He looks like 
Evan Peters in season five, American Horror Story Hotel. He, he lo- yeah, that's what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, he, he does not look. And so this was Leslie Dillon. Leslie looks really, he, he looks like he has, he looks he like was, he could murder someone. He, he looks deranged. He looks like That was him when he was younger someone. and he was a lot older there. Uh-huh. He does not look happy. In the crime scene pictures, which and we will not be posting, but you can find if you, you would, if you are so inclined. It doesn't take much of a search. You just search up the crime scene don't have to tell photos. them how to find it. Well, <laughs> they, they can find one, it. Yeah. They thankfully cover up in a blanket for one of them. Uh-huh. But they were gruesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. her face. It. Her face is one of the worst photos it is. out there. It's, it is. It's just unnatural. So this was her father. Hmm. He was... He wasn't too important. He looked he had like just... an average businessman. Yeah. <laughs> and her mother was can't really she's beautiful too i don't know what she was but she was pretty famous she's beautiful she is and um <laughs> elizabeth's mugshot they had yeah they had used her mugshot to find her i mean that was the only picture they had of her at the time no it really was but yeah wow yeah so that was the case of elizabeth short or the black dahlia she's which beautiful she really had so much potential and she never got the chance to live out any of it no she didn't she was only 19, 20 at the time of her death. She was yeah. so young. She, she had only s- really started her life at 18. No, really. She she, she was, only had three years, if that, of her life. It was just too soon. And she didn't deserve what happened to no. her. It was gruesome. It, there, there's no excuse for what happened to her. Yeah, that was a hard one. Yeah. So that was her case. And yeah. If you guys made it to the end, I, I thank you. Yeah. I'm <laughs> but... Hope- I hope you guys enjoyed this. Yeah, I hope you guys did. And again, I hope you're all doing well after <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, and again, it'll all be posted on our Instagram. You can, you can find whatever you would like. It'll be linked in the description. Um, yeah. Including, um, I'll also link the citations in the yeah, description. Yeah, sources in the show notes. Some nice little, some nice happy stuff in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right, well... Thank you guys. Bye. We love you all. Goodbye. Bye.